Your martial arts movie podcast. Aha! I threw that shit before I walked in the room! Featuring drunken Thai boxer, Will. Too bad you will die. The also drunken wrestler, Mark. I said I don't want trouble. And drunken karate master, Zero. You've lost your boss. And now, call, call, call. I don't come You know, baby. Fists of fail. So it's almost like you were protected from the storm by some sort of protector watching over you. I am not putting that prefacing story into the episode. <laughs> well, you can you can fade up from it. <laughs> the listeners would be like, "What was he talking about?" I want to know. All right, fine. I'm gonna leave that intro in there, and the well, listeners well, don't put the whole the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't need to know about my personal life. Yeah, of course. <laughs> why I need protecting, <laughs> or why I need some Tom Yum Goon right now. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're we're talking about uh, Tom Yum Goon today, uh, aka the Protector, aka uh, uh, what, what? Damn, this movie has like a million names. I'm trying to like remember it's all. O- of it's them. only got the two. No, um, well, way of, well, was it Way of the Warrior? Yeah, I think that was one really? of them. Yeah, there's like a million names of this. Uh, there's there's a uh, well, no, sorry, Warrior King. There's Thai Dragon, Revenge of the Warrior, Honor of the Dragon, <laughs> all for this one movie. Uh, I think uh, Bay Logan said he wanted it to be called Red Scarf. I think I would have preferred that over <laughs> The Protector. You know, none of the... But then when you think about it, the original title doesn't even make much sense. It's, oh, it's not at all. It's, it, it's the title of the restaurant that they yeah. go to. Right. The, the restaurant, which is very insignificant in the original cut of the movie. Um, but if you watch The Protector, it, that title would be completely irrelevant because that restaurant is barely featured at all in the film. Well, it has the very famous long fight scene. That, well, that's that true. is probably the only real significance of the restaurant. That That is true. That is true. And, that uh, is definitely the highlight of the movie. May, maybe just for reference, uh, how about when we say The Protector, we t- we're speaking about the American cut. And when we say Tom Young Goon, we're talking about the original Thai. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good way of describing it. Uh, let's just stop calling it the protector, <laughs> because uh, that, that might confuse uh, all the listeners who are thinking about the Jackie Chan uh, movie, right? Uh, which can be confusing too. Um, how about how about we just refer to it as Tom and Goon? Because uh, I mean, I, I guess there there is some sort of need to distinguish them though, because well, well, these the movies American are very cut, different. Then. Right. So then we'll just say the American cut and then the original cut. That's I think we can. Sure, sure, sure. Semantics aside, we're watching uh, the other Tony Jaw movie. (laughs) Uh, We covered Ong Bak a couple well a while ago, and uh, yeah, like we definitely have the protector on our list. Uh, You know, like obviously the cover, and this is the other great Tony Jaw film that I for the longest time thought was superior to Ong Bak. Uh, and I thought this way for, from, you know, up till the point where we actually started the show. And I, I realized, you know, like, okay, maybe I should really analyze th- this movie as a whole and, and going to nitty gritty and analyze the action, see which one really holds up. Ong Bak holds up better in terms of the action, but this movie, like, I don't know, it resonates with me a little bit more it, it because of the story. And what is the story, Zero? <laughs> Well, imagine the movie Ongbok, but instead of him trying to get back the head of the Ongbok statue that's taken from his village, he has to save his baby elephant. And yes. that is kind of it. If, if we were to be extremely simplistic, 
it's obviously a little more complicated than that, but oh, uh, no, a no, lot of people not. a lot of people joke that it's just basically the real Ungbok two uh, and <laughs> switch the head of the Thai statue with his elephant. Right. You know, like if there's ever a theme with Don Jaw movies, it's don't steal from him because <laughs> <laughs> things aren't going to work out well for you. Right. Um, yeah, and then you know, like I think the original story was uh, the premise was going to be that. It wasn't going to be about uh, you know saving his his elephant. It was going to be about his like saving a young woman who was going into prostitution mm-hmm. or getting human trafficked. Like just, I think I think Panoriticry just has like a checkbox. <laughs> like, he just has like Mad Libs. He's just like and then Tony Jaw goes save fill in the blank right here. Right. Well, I, I guess it's good that they didn't stay with that story because we've already covered a similar movie, uh, Raging Phoenix, that has mm. that kind of uh, storyline. So yep. I'm glad I'm glad they changed it. And it, it's it's cool with uh, these Thai films that we've been watching is because we, we get the um, this is their opportunity to share their culture. And they sure. always they always try to put in as much Thai culture as they can with these movies. Uh, for me, though, in uh, Tom Young Goon, I feel it's kind of just shoved in there with um, like we get scenes of them at the like the water festival or we see, mm-hmm. you know, we see their traditional dances and whatnot or how they do certain prayers. And it's unfortunate because I feel that it, it doesn't really serve the plot at all. It's there to show culture. And I, I, I can't appreciate it because I don't really understand what they're trying to show me. Sure, gotcha. Yeah, well, so that's that's the whole premise behind the American cut, right? So, or, or any cut to, for that for that matter. Uh, when Bay, Lo- Bay Logan was talking about it for the Dragon Dynasty cut, he recognized that a lot of things had to be truncated or completely eliminated from the movie, even downright altered, uh, so that Western audiences can either resonate with it or understand the movie more. So we watched the Tom Young Goon uncut original movie. That is. 25 to 30 minutes longer than <laughs> the Dragon Dynasty Western cut. And the Dragon Dynasty cut um, that I just rewatched for this preparation for this episode, it actually sh- shortens the that that opening festival by a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they cut that out. They cut out uh, the sequences where there are traditional dancers and musicians. And if you're not Thai, like, you might not understand what, what that's even for because that happens at a pivotal plot point in the movie where the elephant gets captured and you're like as a westerner you're thinking oh shit when are they gonna go save that elephant but then as a you know maybe as a thai audience member you're thinking okay well before he goes on that he needs to be blessed in this sacred ritual to go on this pilgrimage (laughs) yeah yeah and you know like i don't want to like talk negatively about you know those those traditions it's just that like i kind of wish they were integrated into the story a little better so that i could understand um but unfortunately it's not it's there it's shown in a way for the thai audiences who are familiar with it they're like oh hey it's my culture cool we're we're seeing this um well but mm -hmm. what i was gonna say is um i i think for me i think i prefer the american cut uh (laughs) it's it's 80 minutes but it's there's no fat and it's to the point i remember when we were watching this i was getting I was getting a little uneasy and I was I was starting <laughs> to question my feelings about the movie a lot because it was it was getting slow. I, I yeah. didn't remember so much space between all the fights. And I think we were I think I was just kind of enjoying it because you and I were just kind of talking in between <laughs> all, all this nonsense going on when no one was fighting. Right. Well, that that I think you really did watch the protector, uh, like the American cut. I mean, the uh, uh, the American cut because you know that's that's essentially the same sentiments I had. But we, I guess it's um, 
I guess the the tie cut is is good if you want. It, it almost comes off as like a travel a travel show or like a tourist attraction kind of uh, opening, which but it's like twenty minutes, twenty minutes before we get any action in, in the movie, and it, it's a really long twenty minutes. But if you want to appreciate the slower pace, because you know they want to soak up, you want to soak up a lot of that local culture culture. Wow, in uh, in Thailand, you know, like this is the place to do it. Uh, this is the movie to do it. Uh, and they're doing it during the actual water festival in Thailand. So it's like, you know, you, you get a lot of that if you're watching the original. But the Western movie, the Western version just cuts all the fat out, just goes straight to the elephant getting captured. So I, think, I, so I think my issue with the Thai version, too, is, though, there's there's still so many problems with, uh, like, getting from point A to point B to point C and, and so on and so forth. Yep. They're still there in the original cut. And in an American cut, they just get to the points faster without, you know, without feeling lulls in the story. Like, sure. there's things that they cut out in the end that I, like, when we were watching that, I kept on saying, oh, wow, I don't remember this. I don't remember mm-hmm. this. I don't remember this. And the yeah. whole time, I just kept on thinking, like, this doesn't add anything to, to the story, to the characters. It, it makes sense that it got cut for American audiences. It's, yeah. it, it almost makes the American cut feel like, like it, that's what it should have been, sorry mm-hmm. to say. Uh, because I just right. I wasn't really enjoying watching the original version. Right, right. Well, before you said that's why I, I just remember what I was going to say. Before you said, uh, I you know you're watching the uncut version. You you said, oh you know like I don't remember this. I don't remember this. That's because it wasn't there. <laughs> you watched it initially, so mm-hmm. you, there's nothing to remember. Um, and here's the thing: if you've seen, I've only seen the American version. I'd say ch- check out the original anyways, just for compare and contrast. Because I don't think. Uh, definitively, there's one better than the other. Uh, I, I definitely like the pacing of the, Amer- the Western version more, but then there, a lot of the plot holes of the uh, of the American version are solved, kind of solved in the uncut version. Although the uncut version still has a lot of plot holes, there's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and we can definitely get into those as well. Um, so once the elephant gets captured, or the elephants, the, the, the son and the, I guess the father, uh, once they get captured, uh, there is a logic loop <laughs> in that Tony jaw immediately knows to go find, uh, the person responsible in some building of some sort, but like, there's no, there's nothing in between. And this is not explained in the uncut version either. Yeah. It's just the elephants are kidnapped and, Suddenly he knows, I need to go to this rich person's house. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the elephants, obviously. But yeah, like you said, doesn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't exactly. Matter. Doesn't matter. Because we finally got our first fight sequence. American version, 12 minutes in. Uh, <laughs> uncut version, 40 minutes in. I don't, <laughs> I don't know which one you would choose. But you know, if you want to cut straight to the chase, I'd say go for the American one. Uh, here, there is a, there's, there's really not much I... I would want to say uh, about this one because I feel like it's kind of it's like padding before we actually get to the real action. Uh, this is a really simple uh, action scene where Tony Jaw takes out a bunch of henchmen rather easily to the point where like I start like I don't know like if I, I find it kind of like not as visually interesting in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. This is one of those fights where I, I've never I don't think I've ever said this before. This is like. Uh, a sandwich where you know you like the br- you like the bread but you don't like what's in the middle because it <laughs> right. starts off great with him basically jumping off screen and right. you have this very very wide angle and he just knees a whole bunch of dudes they all topple yeah. over it's really him 
obviously, if you know Tony mm-hmm. Ja, uh, no, oh man, it's no like wires, 40 no feet. CGI, yeah, and he's jumping from an extremely long distance. It's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, uh, in terms of our podcast, you know, we like to break down the fight choreography, and uh, it's not that there's no choreography in this little moment. It's more so that somebody advances towards him and he takes him out with probably one or two like kicks or throws. It's right. very, very to the point. I think yeah. I think what they're trying to do here, or maybe not what they're trying to do. I think for me what's going on is just they're showing you like how powerful he is. And they're mm-hmm. kind of uh what's the word? Uh they're they're S- ramping establishing. up. What's that? No, no. Oh, establishing him, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of establishing his power, and they're. I feel like the sound effects in this movie are a lot more prominent in some of his than Tom Young, not Tom Young, than Ongbok. Ongbok. Yeah, like uh, it's. I feel like they they turned it up from like five to seven. Like they <laughs> they do a lot of bone crunching. I noticed a lot, and obviously he's not really breaking bones with some of these moves. But I feel a lot of the hits they just kind of put that bone crunch in there to make him seem that much more powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, with a higher production, they start investing in things that they couldn't do in, in Nambok. And I, I guess I'm fine with that. Although, again, Western, Western version of this, they kind of did a little more foley for the film. Um, and they also like changed the score as well. So it would, you know, using Riz's uh, uh, rendition of the film, so, uh, film score. And it kind of like changes the 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 tone a little bit, uh, or like the like it feels a little bit more frenetic in the uh, the the Western version of it, uh, whereas the original one, it, I don't know, it feels a little bit more fitting. So again, another point for the uncut version. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said before that it's like the beginning's good and the the end. I guess like are you trying to imply that the the end is good as well? Yeah, like I like so basically he you know he's taken out all these guys in very very simple movements. And then it kind of caps off with him double kneeing a man through a glass door. So, you know, the beginning's good, end's good. Uh, well, about the middle where, um, I don't know if you missed this, but there's a guy who approaches him and tries to deliver some sort of like high kick. Tony Jark grabs a high kick, puts him in some sort of like disadvantaged state. And then for a split second, you see that his pants rip. Oh, I didn't even notice that's that. A, that's supposed to be funny, but it's edited so quickly, you completely miss... <laughs> you would completely miss the humor in that every single time. Um, well, I, yeah, like in between, there really isn't too much, but there's there's just Tony Jaw kind of wailing, like like rapid fire roundhouse kicks. And I guess that's, I mean, like if you take Muay Thai, I mean, I guess that that's kind of like cool, but like visually, eh, I don't know, like it's, it's not all too interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's my problem with it. It's not like there's anything really bad going on. It's just visually there isn't anything interesting for me. The beginning was great with him jumping from off screen and then him crashing through the glass door with the other guy. But right. in the middle, it's, it's all just fine. I think, the, I think for some reason I remember this fight too is because they do a lot of edits to cutaways of reactions, either from Tony Ja or like maybe some of the onlookers. And there's this one cutaway of a guy in a toilet. Did you see, uh, yeah. did you see that? I don't know. Yep. It's it's probably played for laughs, but I, we never saw that guy anywhere. And then suddenly it cuts to him, some random dude on a toilet. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Correct. Not, it doesn't even matter. The What else doesn't matter is the deleted scene that's actually on the DVD. Uh, where in, Well, it, it's like a pre- preface to this scene. You know, like, uh, he get, beats up a bunch of people in the small, ta- small bar area. And then that's supposed to lead into this action scene. 
it's completely it could be completely removed. It, it, it's a good decision that they removed that. Yeah, um, it didn't really add anything. Like Tony Jaw jumping off screen from left to right, like a full like twenty to thirty feet, is a lot more yeah. impressive than him just kind of standing in the doorway and the camera yeah. is just right in his face. It's it's so awkward. So I'm glad mm-hmm. they decided to remove that. If if any. Well, I was going to say, if anything, maybe they could have just shuffled it around, put that somewhere in the middle somehow, and then turned it into him, you know, still crashing through the the glass door at the end. But yeah, yeah. well, it it doesn't matter. I'm actually just grateful that this uh, action scene is pretty short because Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't linger for too long because it is uh, it's relatively simple. When there's one guy taking out a bunch of easily disposable stunt people. Uh, people on his stunt team. Um, you know, it, if it's so easy that to a point where it looks like Tony Jaws not even breaking a sweat, it's like, okay, well, nah, doesn't this isn't too uh, visually interesting? It literally is. Like he, he'll knock out of just like just grabbing his wrist and then twisting it. It's like, ah, oh, well, he's done. He's like, that guy, can, <laughs> that guy can still throw bottles at you. <laughs> right. Well, that's but, an no. interesting way of uh, putting it because you're. I, I feel you're correct. It feels like he's. It feels very effortless from his part. Um, but it also kind of shows on him as a performer. He's just kind of doing these, these things so simply. And I, I think for me personally, that's why I kind of forget the middle portion of this fight because it's it's just so effortless on his part. We've kind of seen it before because I'm pretty sure no one goes into Tom Young-Goon first before Ong Bak. Mm-hmm. So like when you go from Ong Bak to this, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, well, he's, you know, he's kind of t- disposing of these guys so easily. Right. Give me something new. Well, and that, and that way you can kind of see it as a, se- <laughs> a true sequel to Ong Bak then. Again, don't steal shit from Tony Jaa. Because <laughs> uh, right after this, we have this uh, action sequence on the riverfront, I guess, where they're speeding through these, these speedboats. Don't want to talk about it too much. There's a... It is impressive for sure, you know, but you know, because they're actually speeding on these boats and they're actually performing some of these uh, pretty interesting stunts. But it's kind of cut with a lot of CG, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I don't know. We don't we don't delve into these things, but CG is like super distracting. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Yeah, and and it's fine, you know. Like uh, we won't mention it too much, but there is CG kind of like at one point in the movie too, where we see uh, it's it's like a flashback to the the Thai warriors who protect the I guess the king and the elephant and mm-hmm. looks like ps2 graphics you know i'm <laughs> you know this is thailand i'm not gonna get mad at them because you know like they're not very they're not known for cg so it's it's fun right they had a budget but not that much of a budget <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah so um right uh, story-wise uh it, it basically stays consistent throughout which is you know from beginning to end he's on a journey to find his elephant um so somewhere in between that he ends up in a warehouse and he takes out he takes down a whole bunch of uh, regular henchmen in regular shoes <laughs> on foot. And then he starts taking out rollerbladers and bicyclists and <laughs> motorcyclists. So I want to, I want to rewind just a little bit because there is a, there is an action moment before all this happens. So, oh yeah, which one? So he first, so maybe just to, just for prefer, uh, reference, Tony Jaa is now in Sydney, Australia. Uh, okay. Originally, the movie took place in Bangkok. Somehow, he found out the elephants are in Sydney. Sure, whatever. All elephants go to Sydney. <laughs> yeah, and he just he just knows where to go. Um, he meets uh, Johnny Nguyen on the bridge, uh, a martial artist we've spoken about previously. Right, right. And uh, what happens is there's a small scuffle, and he basically chases a guy um, off of the bridge. They both jump on top of the van. And he knees uh, the guy off of the van while he's kind of jumping away. Oh, uh, right. Right, and right, right. So uh, 
for some reason, the guy who was driving the van was also a bad guy, coincidentally, because he gets <laughs> out and he, you know, he has a knife. And we get a really, really great, like, uh, you know, homage to Bruce Lee's uh, Way of the Dragon, I believe. Yeah. Well, okay. So <laughs> that's why that's what Ray Logan said. I don't see that. Really? But okay. I don't see it. I do yeah, not see that. I've, I've always seen it as that. The, it's the intimidation kick. Uh, you know, Michael Jai White did it in uh, fucking Black Dynamite mm-hmm. with the... Uh, the pool hall lights and uh yeah i i feel like i feel like that's kind of what he was doing here yeah okay i don't know i i feel like it, it, that's a bit of a stretch i just i always just saw it as you know just yes it's an intimidation tactic but to ref to see it as a reference to way of the dragon i don't know that's always felt a little off to me <laughs> uh oh wait i'm sorry it, i guess I, okay it is way of the dragon i'm thinking of um uh uh, uh, uh fist of fury when he kicks the sign you know, like I just oh, yeah, understood. not not the sign. No, no. He in in Way of the Dragon, he kicks the like the light bulb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, okay, to, I know, guess to, to spook and intimidate the guy. I'm pretty sure that's kind of where this whole thing came. Ah, uh, okay. Just up to this point, to this very second, I never understood why people kept saying that. I'm like, well, I don't get it. That's, that's not a sign. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay. Well, now you know. <laughs> well, I'm okay. I'm glad you rewinded. I do want to talk about the warehouse uh, because this this literally leads into it directly. Exactly. But I wanted to talk about the uh, that intimidation kick because I, I, you know, otherwise I would have forgotten about it. That kick, uh, Tony Jaw, whenever he does a film, you know, and, and he's promoting it, what he likes to do is he goes on tour and he will promote the movie by actually performing the stunts live that he did in the film. So. <laughs> Uh, that one kick that he delivers, uh, I, I'm not sure, entirely sure if my, my sources are correct. Uh, it is a super high 540 kick, uh, and to the point where you don't even call it a 540 kick anymore. It's a, it's called a master swipe in tricking. So that this super high master swipe that he does is, I don't know, like what, what would you say, 10, 12, like 12 feet in the air. Ah, uh, man, uh, I should have looked at the Japanese trailer for this movie. Because they actually, <laughs> I, I think I sent it to you before, but mm-hmm. they do like a, uh, they draw like on screen in the trailer, like the height of the, you know, of the pole or the, the light bulb he's kicking at the top. And I'm sure mm-hmm. it says like how many meters up it is. Right, right. Well, it's, it's incredibly high, at least like twice as high and uh, tall as the, the next actor that he was standing next to. So, but, you know, just try to imagine how tall that is. And he kicks that light and it shatters. It's incredibly impressive, and the, my not sure if my sources are correct, but Tony Jaw has like one of the or like was close or beat the world record for highest jump or like highest jump kick or something like that. Not entirely sure if that's true, but you know that it's it is very impressive on screen. But that wasn't what I wanted to tangent towards. It's that there is a video online of Tony Jaw throwing this kick in Astoria. Oh, yes. You, you referenced this in the Youngbok episode. Oh, I did. Okay. Yes. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if I did. But <laughs> yeah, no, you like, did. So this exact kick, this exact uh, kick, he actually performed and Zero was right there. Yeah. I, was I, right show, there. I was showing you the video and I was like, so this is the cameraman. I'm there off camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's my laundromat right there. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was really cool because, um, yes, he was promoting for Tom Young-Goon. He came to Astoria at the Museum of Moving Image. And we were just in the kind of backyard court area. They just cleared space and he did his demonstration. He brought along some of the Thai stuntmen and he was basically there to just have them advance towards him and he would just beat them up (laughs) in a a few moves. 
and then somebody got on a chair or I, I can't remember exactly. I think it was on like maybe the shoulders of someone right. else holding like, um, I don't know, holding something mm-hmm. and Tony Jao would just jump really high and kick it. Yep. <laughs> and yep. it's, it's so weird to see in a non cinematic format, mm-hmm. meaning my, my own eyeballs because he does it. <laughs> he just does it so nonchalantly. It almost feels like it's not impressive because I was literally right there. Oh. It, it, it's weird. Like when I, I feel like my vantage point didn't display, uh, didn't display what I was seeing in a way that was impressive to my eyes. You know what uh, I mean? Okay. Like when we're watching it in the film, they get the right angle. Mm-hmm. You know, the lighting is right. Uh, the situation is, is really cool because he's, you know, he's actually breaking the light bulb and the guy's standing right in front of him. When I'm seeing it, you know, in real life, I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, he's kicking it. Okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> uh, I, I surround myself before COVID happened. I surround myself with a lot of gymnasts and, and trickers and people who are significantly better than me. And it doesn't matter how many times I'll see them in front of me. I'm like, that is still impressive. Why, can, why am I not that good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's impressive. But what, what I was trying to say is like my, my, what I saw at my angle was, mm-hmm. was actually still nothing compared to what they captured right, in the film. Right, yeah. It's, it's a very visually impressive stunt, uh, impressive shot because you, you camera keeps it as a wide, all one take, and you can see it just pans if necessary just to see that, like the amount of height that this guy can get. And that's not mm-hmm. the only, quote, I guess, height base jump that he does in, in this one particular scene he does a he has some sort of like flying knees or flying double knees off of these uh, off of the, the top of a truck and it's a great shot only because of the the backdrop that you have it's like the entire skyline of well half skyline of sydney sydney yeah and um so a thing about the production is that you know uh this you know, on had the luxury of just being localized in thailand this movie, you know, they wanted to film abroad, so they filmed in Sydney, but they only had a limited budget. I mean, you know, they they had you know had more budget than they did in Angbok. They had a limited budget, so what limited access you had for you know like getting shots of Sydney, they tried to like capitalize on, and uh, any shots where they were clearly exterior it, and it was clearly in Bangkok, they would just superimpose the sydney skyline onto it <laughs> and this is throughout the film you know, you, you know like I, if you pay close enough attention you can see where it's it, it almost looks not realistic but that's okay yeah it's fine. yeah um right so uh after so now we can finally talk about the warehouse uh where he takes down uh he takes take down a bunch of henchmen right but this is the, i think this is the first scenario where i feel like we get a good taste of like what this movie can do with its one takes, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about the upcoming one take fight that we're going to be talking about, but there is this one uh, moment, or I guess like air portion of the film, uh, this fight scene where there are a bunch of trams, these empty trams um, just in this warehouse, right? And Tony Jaw is just parkouring his way in and out of each one of these abandoned trams. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a lot shorter, obviously, than what you'd see in, um, in, you know, the, the upcoming fight, but you know, like it, it's a good showcase and I don't, I don't think this gets enough attention because it, it's, it's complicated enough. It's a lot faster because of the camera movements, uh, had to constantly keep track of Tony's, uh, position inside in, in each one of these trams. There's like three of them. He jumps in and out of. So, you know, I, you know, I think there's, a, it's, this is actually pretty complicated too. Like, and this doesn't get nearly enough recognition. Yeah. Uh, I think my issue with this smaller one take in the trams is that, so 
a lot of the fighting kind of happens inside the tram. But the thing is, uh, the camera is at this kind of lower vantage point where we can't always see what's going on. And we're kind of listening to the sound effects and we kind of have to wait for somebody to kind of get, you know, like maybe pushed out the window or something like that. And in addition, uh, this interior is very, very low lit with just sunlight coming from like left to right from the top of the screen. Uh, I, I just kind of wish it was bright, a little brighter. I wish that the, the camera was maybe inside a little more so mm -hmm. we could see we could have seen what was going on. But I understand like that's not how they decided to film it. Mm -hmm. It's still cool. I just uh, I, I wanted to see just like a little more of the stuff that was going on. Right. Um, well, I, but, it, I, but it's but it's still fun, though. Right. Yeah. I, well, I, I think that the silhouettes were like pretty well set up I, and also the costumes, you know, like they're well, they have nice contrast between them and, the, you know, the background. Tony Jaws wearing all like a, a white jacket so you can clearly see his movements. Oh yeah, he's like in all denim in this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and and you know, like the again, the first half of it or the first portion of it, you know, is everyone fighting uh, like on foot. It's it's not as impressive, but like once the BMXers, the extreme uh, sports people, come into fray, they you know wielding their long tube light bulbs, I guess. They're like fluorescent ceiling lights, I guess yeah. you would say. Yeah. So, uh, so I just want to I want to rewind a little bit because we did miss uh, the opening of this fight, which is which oddly enough I feel like this is the moment I remember most from this movie. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when Tony Jaff first enters this kind of uh, underground basement factory, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. uh, he is running towards these two men, and he double you know he double knee he jumps and double knees at both of them and they fall down. Yeah. And then the next shot, you get this really, really nice wide where he jumps and he does a sidekick to somebody's head mm -hmm. in slow motion. And it's just it's just so perfect how they uh, went from the double knees to that. And whenever I think of Tom Young-Goon, I know there's like so many other memorable moments, but like it's that one that's just so well shot. I like, you know, the slow motion just punctuates it so nicely because you see the guy's face just like <laughs> recoil from the sidekick. It's, it's really great. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess I forgot about that one as well. But uh, I don't know. Like, like that, that's definitely not the one that I think of what I think the most impressive stunt in this whole fight. It gets overshadowed by this one moment that Tony Jaw does. He does a, when he is, has his back towards, at least I guess this gap, he does a back handspring over the gap, goes into a handstand, and his, his you know, and there's a wall there. You know, I, 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 I can't, am I explaining this correctly? You know, for your listeners out there, it's, there's a gap behind him. He does a back handspring and he immediately go, jumps into a hand, handstand when there's a wall in this small wedge that's only like, what, eight inches? Uh, you know? I don't know if I would say eight inches. It, probably, it's probably a foot. It's probably a lot longer than we think. But you have to realize he does the back handspring over a gap and yep. they are on the second floor. So uh, it adds that element of danger where, Sure, anybody can do a back handspring onto like so they're balancing at the edge of a wall, but he's doing it over a gap, and if he falls, he could you know he could just easily break his yeah. neck and hurt himself. Right, right. Um, well, that if you are curious enough, you can go out there and see the demo reel, the previs, the previs uh, for this action sequence, uh, or for the whole movie to be honest. Um, and there's a lot of lots more to this fight scene um, than was actually filmed in the movie, obviously, right? So they mm -hmm. they got more than actually you know did um so this particular stunt he had to practice it with boxes these boxes that would you know obviously because they're flimsy they, they reverberate and i guess we watch like watching this for the second time just as a you know, pass through 
I didn't notice that the wall shook. Uh, but like now that I'm actually like paying attention to it, like you can't, you can kind of see that the wall kind of reverberates a little bit. Clearly not, uh, you know, like not probably not a real wall is probably padded in a certain way to make sure that like in case Tony misses, you know, maybe they could catch him <laughs> or <laughs> I don't know. Just something. I mean, may- maybe the wall could uh, collapse in case mm-hmm. he was in danger of falling into mm-hmm. the gap or something like that. Right, yeah, right. It's possible. You know, l- listen, a back handspring is scary enough. If you throw in a bunch of spikes or a chasm behind me, I don't know if I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there, a lot of the stunt work here you know, involves, uh, you know, like, involving the stunt team, uh, involves them, like, just hurling their whole bodies. Uh, because they're like being kicked off or like being uh, they're not kicked off but they'll they'll fly off of their bikes and they'll just start hurling their bodies in midair and you know like you can see like how much how painful it is when they actually collapse their 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 bodies onto these pallets that are just like just conveniently there um and you know like right so there, there's there's that and you know like tony job again showing off all his athleticism he that back handspring that i mentioned before isn't the the highlight of his back handsprings there's one where once he has the upper uh the higher ground a cyclist comes beneath him in this railway and tony jaw does in one take in one shot a back handspring wherein he grabs the helmet off of uh, like uh, grabs the helmet of the cyclist who's directly beneath him mm. and takes the guy out it, it's it's insane because yeah you know, like you know what this makes me think of? This makes me think of Dragons Forever. With yeah, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, because it, it has a similar uh, the similar shot where the camera is facing down, mm-hmm. and he does the backflip over the guy. Yeah, yeah, it's very right. very similar. Yeah, I think that I I bet this that was an homage in some way. It, it's uh man, I I can't even finish like how many like great flips and, and stunt work that there is in, in this one sequence alone. Uh, yes, Tony Jaw ends up on a van, and he. He um, he delivers a hyper backflip. <laughs> how, do, how do I how else would I explain it? Like he does a backflip, but he over rotates so that so wherein he can land directly onto his back after a complete three sixty rotation, just so he can deliver a low sweep. <laughs> uh, you know that's uh, it, it, you know it's a great showcase again of his uh, physical prowess. Yeah, I think I liked uh, I, I I liked when he gets on top of the van and he starts doing uh, some of the flips and some of the spins. I was like, I don't know, if, uh, for some reason, like this this whole sequence was kind of losing me at some points because I feel they were trying trying to utilize the uh, you know the extreme sports people in ways that weren't doing much um, for me personally anyway. Like I, I could care less about a BMXer crashing into a pallet. Like, you know, sure. Yeah, I get, I get the stunt work, but it doesn't really, uh, doesn't tickle my fancy. Right. Sure. I I think, um, I think it starts getting interesting when he's doing more of the evasive stuff where he's like slipping in between, uh, you know, the, the cuts in the, uh, the hole in the fence into him doing a split underneath a bar, but then there's an inline skater going down that bar. Like, they chain these <laughs> evasive moves into an interesting combo set, and it forms this nice little uh, small moment. Like I like that stuff. Like I could care less about him pushing a giant garbage box <laughs> and then you know trying to disperse the crowd. Like that that stuff didn't really do much for me. Right, right. I mean, yeah. Like, well, I I personally like any moments where he's just showing off how acrobatic the dude is. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, his flash kick, you know, that, you know, again, there's no wire work here. And I actually find that very surprising because of some of the, um, not the physicality, but the timing of certain moves. He does a 
running gain or flash kick, running, that means you're running in one direction, so you do a flash kick, uh, backflip, and you land, you you land obviously, but your your back foot is delivering a, a, a snap kick on a, your pursuer. It, it's, uh, you know, like that, that alone is, you know, like hard enough, you know, like you want to deliver that move, sell it, but also not hurt the, the, the stunt person. Um, man, so I don't know. I, I actually still like this scene, uh, mostly because not, not just because of all the, the fighting going on, but because of all the stunt work, particularly with this ATV that, that yeah, kind this, of caps it off. Right. This is kind of what, I don't want to say what saves it, but I think this is, this is what really makes this scene distinctive because this right. whole moment, uh, you know, it, it's very much a Jackie Chan-esque type of fight where he's fighting a large group of people. He can't obviously take them all on at once. So he's using his surroundings to his advantage, you know, going in and out of the, you know, the trams, uh, using uh, th uh, things as obstacles, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. When the ATV rider, you know, bursts through the, um, uh, it's like stacks of uh, empty barrels. waste barrels. Mm -hmm. uh, you, I, I remember when I first saw that, I was like, okay, something special is going to happen here. I hope. And, <laughs> and, and it does, because at first I was like, oh no, is he just going to be, you know, evading it? Because that's kind of what he's doing. Uh, he's just out of the way of getting run over with the tires and whatnot and just kind of getting bumped. Right. And at first I was like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. Maybe he's just going to do a flying sidekick and hit him off. And, and that'll right. be like the end of it. Thankfully, that is not what happens. And I take back what I said earlier. This is probably one of the more cinematic, uh, memorable moments of the movie for me. Oh, yeah. So what is it? <laughs> it's, it's a great stunt. It's, mm -hmm. it's a fantastic stunt. Not because of what you see, but what are the implications of what would happen if you, if you fucked up the stunt. Yes, yes. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Because So what happens is Tony Jaw is kind of getting beaten up by this guy on the ATV. Um, and in a kind of final uh, bull charge, the ATV is speeding towards him. And Tony Jaw uh, ja starts running towards the wall. And what we realize is this wall is clear glass. So Tony Ja does a wall run up it, backflips over the ATV as it's going towards him, causing the ATV to crash through the glass wall. Right. It's, oh my God, it's incredibly <laughs> impressive. I hope they only did it in like the one take because that must have been very, very scary and right. like exhausting to do. Well, what, small thing that you left out is that this it, it, there's a ramp that it ramps off and over uh, onto the oh, sorry there is a ramp off of the the glass wall and um, beneath that is just like a you know like what like twelve feet maybe you know like it, it's a it's a far enough drop where like there's severity to that so yeah it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean obviously the person who you know there's padding down there uh, underneath all those pallets and whatnot but yes if Tony Joff ends up crashing through the glass too because he fucked up the stunt you know he can get seriously hurt because there's no mm -hmm. there's no clear direction of which way he's gonna go because the atv is probably gonna drag him in a certain certain way yeah, or crush yeah. him Ex oh exactly that that's why it, that makes this stunt so impressive and, and so scary yeah uh, like if it was made today in hollywood it'd just be it would be same shot superimpose one another you know you would never risk an actor's life like the way that you do here and yeah, again, yeah. there's a okay. I I've been listening to Corridor Crew, who if you ever need to, uh, you know, reference for you know like talking to stunt people about their, uh, you know, like their expertise and and whatnot and, and some of these stunts, you know, like I'd say give that one episode a listen because this episode they explained that, or they they postulated that 
the way that they perform the stunt is more is more involved than the actual you know like then it, it just what you see because if you really think about it that glass has to be strong enough that it can support tony jaw's weight because there's no wire work right it can it has to support his weight but it has to be thin enough to be destroyed by the atv so it needs to be just right in between and you know it's glass glass is not easy to you know, uh, figure out the exact, uh, you know, like breakability. So uh, as a, I guess as a piece of like um, a production trickery, what would the, what they would do is like they found a piece of glass that was just strong enough to support Tony Jaw's weight in terms of like his the amount of impact that he can, he can do it, uh, ply on it, then he can still perform that flip. Um, it had to be, it had to be uh, just thin enough so that they would take these two pebbles or two rocks and they put on the, each side of the glass, the glass, where you can't see them, and when they need to, they can just trigger it so that before the ACV hits the glass, the whole thing would shatter by pinching the glass uh, with these rocks. So it like mm-hmm. once you pinch them, like the whole thing just ripples, and you know like and that's actually more important because that leads to my next implication, which is that ACV has to go fast enough. So that it can it can still break that glass, right? Mm-hmm. So that means that Tony Jaw has to like the entire stunt team, you know, Pan and Riddicry, Tony Jaw. They have to make sure that not only is he running at the right speed, they have to make sure that the ATV is going the right speed too. Mm-hmm. If it if anything about that is wrong, he might not even make it to the wall. He's just gonna get crushed <laughs> by the ATV. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those things that I didn't know for the longest time. Um, when somebody cla- uh, breaks through glass, uh, not always, but sometimes what they do is uh, like they'll have uh, they'll have the glass break by like a mini explosive that's like timed by somebody like off screen. I know that they do that in America. I don't know how they do it in like maybe the Hong Kong films. Like I think uh, with something like Police Story, I think they were just literally just throwing themselves through glass, and that's <laughs> what caused it to break. Yeah. So it's it's just crazy because you'll you'll see you'll see in like maybe comedies you'll have the character who tries to jump through like the glass window or the glass door and it doesn't break. Right. But right. in your mind you're thinking, well, that's that's funny because that you know subverted my expectations. I thought he was going to break through it. So. Yeah, I guess depending on the type of glass, it you know nothing would have happened, and well, he could have just got sandwiched, like you said. Well, this is supposedly sugar glass, right? <laughs> I mean, I, re- I don't know that. <laughs> well, it's probably. Well, I mean, I'm just gonna guess. It's probably reinforced, like just layers and layers of sugar glass. Yeah, because he needs to be able to do the wall run, and yeah. <laughs> it would it would be funny if you if we saw earlier takes where he tries to do the wall run, but his foot just goes through. Oh, jeez. Oh God. Well, the one thing that this this needs and this is not me nitpicking it's just i want to see this in more angles because you clearly yes. you can tell yes. that there's i was gonna say that <laughs> oh yeah 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 the the well the uh, my point was that the final shot that you see which is uh on the other side of the glass as it as it breaks is that you know like you see tony jaw is doing is in mid-air doing the flip and the atv is crashing through it of course that's great of course uh, but i this is a case where doing a Jackie Chan-esque uh, uh, replay would be perfect. Ombok, uh, Ombok even did that. This movie, mm-hmm. I don't know why they should have included more replays, you know, for, especially for the impressive stunts, rather than... For, for, for that one particularly, I would have liked a replay. They got two angles, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I kind of would have liked one where we saw um, the inside of the room, not the outside, which is the main angle we got because we saw the ATV crashing towards us with a Mm -hmm. camera. I would have liked to seen 
what the room looked like, you know, maybe as the ATV is uh, driving away right. from us. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I would have just appreciated it if we just saw it. Like, with one take, the overhead shot of the ATV crashing through and uh, Tony Jaw doing the flip, and then do it again, but from you know, the other side of the, the class, but the whole sequence, not just, you know. It, what, what they did, I guess, for continuity is as soon as Tony Jaw is about to do the flip, they do a hard cut, I mean, you know, appropriately to the other side of the class. So it's just like, it's just like, it feels linear. Wherein I just would appreciate it if it was just a replay. Like, show it again. Show it again. Show the whole sequence uninterrupted, but again. Yeah. <laughs> again, you know, like, if you if we can watch Jackie Chan fall off of a, a, a four-story building and land on lawn, uh, awnings three times in a row, <laughs> I'm willing to watch Tony Jaw do that once, once, once or twice. Um, yeah, so that, that caps off that scene. Tony Jaw... It's, doesn't matter about the plot. All we know is that Tony Jaw now ends up at a restaurant. <laughs> Assuming that I don't, I didn't forget any other action sequence in between. Correct. Yeah, and this leads us to probably the most well-known fight uh, of the movie. The oh yeah. Unbroken uh, four minutes ish uh, one take fight up the stairs of this restaurant. Yeah. So this is about halfway through the movie. Uh, once you get here, I mean, it's it's insane. Like when you really think about like the fact that they even accomplished this because one takes are hard enough, but now we're gonna add fight choreography to this. Uh, this is so. This whole fight scene is so involved, so complicated, and you know I'm sure they ate up everyone's time and budget that they could only film two a day uh, because they, yep. they're filming on film, like actual film. Mm-hmm. So you know that they, they, they you're the one who told me this, right? You said that. The, they wanted to make an action se- sequence that was exactly the length of film that they had for one particular. Well, day. well, the the most that they could use, I, I believe, because if you think about it, like yeah, they you, um, it's not like today where with a digital camera you can you know shoot forever. Yeah. You can have twenty minute takes. You can have movies that are you know one hour and thirty minute long one takes, and, mm-hmm. and there are films like that. Uh, with film, you only have so much amount of film reel, yeah. so they they designed this fight to take up as much film as they could before it, you know, before it cuts, right. before they just ran out. Yeah. And so that's why it's like four minutes-ish. I don't know the exact timing. Mm-hmm. But. Well, so I know that Tony Jaw and Panarita Cry, his mentor, uh, have, like, they actually spent a long time, like, way, 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 way before they even start production on this movie in creating a one-take uh, action sequence. Uh so you can actually see this in the previous video with Tony Ja. Um, you actually see a semblance of the same kind of action that you see that would eventually make its way into this movie. Uh, but I, I say check that out too for anyone who's interested because there's a lot, there's enough that's different between this and what was in the previs or the demo reel, I guess, that you know I, I kind of am curious like why they made the changes. But I have one very strong theory. It's that Tony Jaw would be way too tired to perform some of those stunts <laughs> as soon as he got to that nth floor, that that third floor that he gets up to. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about this. Um, you know, this one take. It's it's not just like it's it's him doing all this fight choreography. It's him throwing guys off of each of the floors, and he's ascending all the floors as well as the cameraman too. Um, there's there's a funny uh, kind of Jurassic Park moment in this uh, one take that I didn't notice. What do you mean? So um, when he first goes to the second floor, he throws a guy off the off the balcony and he crashes through, um, I guess, like the railing. And the guy falls flat on the floor. There's, not, there's nothing there, right. right? When he ascends to the higher floors, 
and he throws the guy off and the camera looks down suddenly there's this house that appears out of nowhere right and so the guy can crash through as padding yep. so I, I when i say it's a jurassic park moment it's like uh when the t-rex attacks yeah <laughs> and suddenly they go over and it's you know it's a cliff of nothing like uh-huh. You know, it, it's it's great uh, cinematically, but uh, that's a huge plot hole. Oh, I thought you were referencing when the T Rex shows up at the end in this in this uh, museum where there's like no entrances for it to come into. It's like, where the hell did that T Rex come from? <laughs> we're not talking about T- uh, Jurassic Park right now. We're talking about yeah. uh, how Tony Jaw. Yes, he, like in the very beginning, he does throw uh, uh, deliver a couple flips. He does an aerial off of a um, off of. Uh, uh, piano a grand piano and you know the stunt work at initially starts off pretty strong in terms of acrobatics as the fight sequence goes on it becomes a lot more sloppy not sloppy as in bad but sloppy as in the fight choreography had to be simplified as much as possible because tony jaw's really doing this <laughs> yeah it, he's literally you know most i feel like most fight scenes you know like the good ones it'd be considered like a sprint here Tony's like doing a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's long distance running. Yeah. You got to save your energy because, you know, if, if he's just going all out during during this, you're get, it's going to get even more sluggish yeah. at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's just not going to be great uh, for us to watch. So right. he's got to he's got to pace himself. I like that. The moves are very, very simple. He's only, he's usually only throwing like round kicks mm-hmm. or like really simple blockages to kind of get people to the ground. Yeah. And then they're utilizing just a lot of him throwing guys off. Yeah. Because, you know, to, to kind of change things up. It's not just him ascending the staircase and just like kind of fighting guys and, and that's it. They're, right. they're changing things up with him kind of running around uh, the environment. Yeah, you know, I, I think about this. There, obviously, we want to give praise to the Tony Jaw, obvious. Stuntmen, not so obvious, but, you know, again, it, it's not just the Tony Jaw show. Obviously, it is. But, you know, <laughs> in terms of, you know, like getting timing right, you know, the stuntmen are fucking up in any way, which or form. You know, like they, they, if they miss their timing, they just kind of start from scratch again. You know, they just have to stop. Mm-hmm. And I know this like took several months to even do, uh, you know, like to capture uh, like the, the perfect version. I think I know they cap- they recorded like... Like I, I heard different sources. Some people said, you know, there's five different cuts of this. Uh, other people said that there's eight. Uh, I think this is mm-hmm. the one that we're seeing in the movie is number three. So, uh, anyways, so yes, uh, not so obvious uh, the stunt people because uh, you know, like the, a lot of the stunt work that they're doing, you know, they has to be absolutely like on point and with good timing. Um, they have to make their entrance and not look like they were just waiting, just waiting for the camera to, you know, well, like to, to catch up yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we we both kind of pointed this out, but unfortunately, there are. Uh, the most egregious of that happens at the end, unfortunately, uh, of this whole sequence where you do kind of have a guy just kind of sitting there like, okay, you're done? You're done? Okay, let me come in now. (laughs) And uh, I want to say throughout this whole thing, it almost never feels like people are just kind of waiting for something to happen. Like, this is a very dynamic and active uh, action set piece. And, like, something's always happening, which, which is really good. Like, you never see goons just kind of standing idle, which would, like, completely ruin this. Right. Uh, so, like, thankfully, um, whenever somebody runs in, they're coming from off screen. Yep. So, uh, you know, we never break that illusion. Right, right. You know, like, and, and it's good that we never see them prior to actually, like, entering the fray. Because that's another uh, complication when it comes to t- doing long takes. You know, like, you, you can always capture an actor before you even get to the actual action. So, you, you might see them in the far corner of the room just you know like just waiting like okay i gotta i gotta hold this bat and just wait for him to come up here (laughs) 
Uh, and you're I right. Think- the, the ending with that one guy in the, the beanie, like he, he is waiting his turn. But that's okay because at, by this point, we're already four minutes into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think uh, my, my favorite moment, actually, I think from this from this uh, whole sequence is like uh, he kind of jump kicks a guy through these double doors mm-hmm. and we're led into this, uh, I guess, kind of like a sex room where these <laughs> where these you know people are uh, doing promiscuous things. Right. And Tony Jaa gets attacked by a guy in like a gimp suit or oh, yeah. a gimp mask, yep. <laughs> which is kind of fun. Like, <laughs> why, really why, fun. Why, why would you stop sex to fight, you know, some random guy who barged <laughs> in? Look, but anyway but like wh- wh- why would you stop the sex like who is this guy to you <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so what's fun is though that um so uh when tony ja goes in there what ends up happening is the camera turns around like 180 and you see yeah 180s and you see the guys enter the room and then you realize that tony ja is is kind of gone he's he's not in frame and what happens is when they exit the room the camera kind of pans up and you see that he is in a split mm-hmm. above the door. Yep. So basically what happened is he had to get up above the door. You know, they obviously built something so he could so he could uh, stay be there stably. But uh, just just, you know, just like all the work for him to go in there, go around the cameraman, get above the door. Like mm-hmm. I love like it's not fight choreography, but the choreography that went into them planning this is just so impressive. Like, this is like, like, I mean, in terms of the, the technicalities behind that, it, yes, there's also uh, an issue that they can arise, which is you know, like Tony Jaw might be climbing up the uh, you know, climb up there, and you'll see a shadow being casted because there's a light right above, yeah, you yeah, know, that, that can also be an issue. But they actually somehow ma- managed to make it look like Tony just ninja himself or teleported up there, right? Right? So, upon rewatching it, uh, I was looking at the cabinet mm-hmm. that's like to the left of the door, and you see the cabinet, cabinet wobbling, that's oh. because he probably he probably stepped up there to get above the door, right? Right? Yeah. Uh, which, mean, which is fine. Like I didn't notice it until I was like really looking at it. But. Right. Right. Well, after right after that, he climbs up a bunch of stairs. He throws a vase towards these stuntmen, and apparently that vase is enough to knock him out. Um, so there's this shot where he grabs a, a guy and hurls him, another dude who hurls him like past over the railing, breaking the railing, and he plummets to the floor, I guess. But uh, by this point, we're on like the fourth floor, maybe like third or fourth floor, pretty high up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when the first guy got crashed into the the that the floor that well i guess a floor yes but you know that that house that was just conveniently appeared out of nowhere uh mm-hmm. when he crashed through it i felt like it was it was not that tall i mean it was, it was high enough you know it was pretty high but it wasn't that tall but by now we're on like the fourth floor when he hurls this guy off the balcony i kind of wanted the camera to pan down and see him also yeah. crash through it and like, well so you know i think what happened is they couldn't have the camera pan down to show it because i think what probably happened is they probably cleared the floor mm-hmm. and they probably just put lots and lots of padding there mm-hmm. because the guy was getting thrown from so high right well if that's true then that makes the finale of this fight even more impressive because then they would have to get rid of all the padding as soon as that guy mm-hmm. lands and then yeah. throw back in that that wooden that broken house yeah. we mentioned before you know yeah. uh, you know so, they, like whatever's happening off screen is there's a lot of you know craziness going on too yeah so uh, i have to uh, retract something i said earlier with the house appearing out of nowhere uh upon i have it playing now like upon rewatching it the house is actually there the whole time it's because it's a circular staircase so uh the vantage i was looking at it made it seem like the house appeared out of nowhere but it was actually off 
screen when we when we first kind of uh, um, enter the scene. Like right. it's kind of on the left. So I thought that it came out of nowhere, but it's actually you know it's actually there the whole time. Right, right, right. So I take that back. Okay, well you made me a liar. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this four-minute sequence. We can't do it justice. It's a, It's actually the main reason why I would suggest this movie. Uh, like that. Well, there's a spoiler alert, you know, and we're done with the review. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, though that's not entirely true. The next next one is probably the real reason. But this one is is by far, in terms of technicality, I can't imagine any other action movie ever topping this. Uh, so they did. Have you seen Atomic Blonde? They did like mm-hmm. an eight-minute-long fight. But is it real? Uh, uh, they use a lot of CG trickery, but I think they still got. Um, I think they still got most of it in the one. T- I'd have to watch the behind scenes. I know they did. You know, they they got. It's still impressive. They had to use CG because it's not always Charlie's. I, I think it's not always Charlie Stern. I think they like did like stuntman kind of going on and off camera um but uh it is long it, it is very impressive it's yes this one is very impressive because it's just him the yeah, entire time no cg yeah. here no i i'm still i still stand firm with my belief that this can't be topped uh i mean sure like, i haven't seen that movie so i don't know that but you know that but you just said those as keywords the uh, cg uh you know stunt person <laughs> you know like yes it's eight minutes long maybe whatever uh this is four minutes uninterrupted a uh, tony jaw just to being tony jaw and, and beating up a bunch of people uninterrupted uh, i haven't i have yet to see anything that technically impressive in, in an action movie since ever i mean like yeah like obviously they're bigger stunts they're bigger you know like fight moments in other movies but like in terms of technicality this is probably up there for me like this is the most technically impressive fight or like scene ever um, and I guess like what it leads to when he t- he finally confronts to, uh, Johnny Nguyen. Uh, yeah, it's it's okay. It's short. You know, Johnny's not in the movie much for much longer after this. But uh, you know, after that four minute sequence, it almost feels like ah, uh, you know, you 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 started off so strong. <laughs> well, the problem for me is uh, they shouldn't have had a fight at the top. Um, because you know, like, how do you, you know, how do you top that, that four minute uh, exactly. action sequence? You, you can't go from that into like another fight. It's always going to like, this will always pale in comparison to that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of feel like maybe he should have just got to the top and like, you know, found the elephants and then maybe Johnny fought, fights him like later or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I, well, I, I like Johnny when, uh, you know, his, his fight choreography in this movie, he's, he's clearly very, very capable, very, very fast, very nimble. Um, there, uh, the, f- fight that we see in the in in this restaurant area where he you know like at first he's winning you know he's, he's taking advantage of tony jaw's distraughtness or his distress um but then like once tony jaw gets serious uh you know uh, johnny Nguyen, you know like it's clearly no match i like the first uh first um exchange of uh of, of blows like johnny Nguyen like clearly has some sort of telegraphing way of, like his, his his movements are a little telegraphed to john uh, to tony jaw because tony jaw eventually learns that he can just block all of Johnny Nguyen's uh, like flashy kicks, uh, flashy mm-hmm. snap kicks, and, and and whatnot, with just a series of very simple movements. You know, just like blocking him with the, the heel of his 
his foot, you know, like just by putting it behind him and, you know, like, mm -hmm. like just like not even looking, you know, just blocking it, like almost seeing like uh, almost as if he can read the, his opponent. And I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's my that's my favorite part about this fight is like, yes, when he does kind of know the movements he's going to throw, uh, Johnny Nguyen starts throwing these like, yeah, wide telegraph kicks. And when he lands, he realizes that Tony Ja is no longer, um, you know, moving back or away from these kicks. He's standing right next to him. And he realizes that they are, they are uncomfortably close uh, when, you know, after he's thrown like a kick. And that, that's such a, like an intimidating thing yep. if, you, if you think about it. Like, I threw this move, you blocked it, and my opponent has not like retreated, you know, uh, to, to gain, you know, uh, some space between us. Yep. He's still there. That that's like such a psychological thing. Yeah, no, it's good. You know, that, that's, it, it's good to show that visually because in a real fight, it, you, you know, it, a lot, half of it, I mean, like, obviously a lot of it is, <laughs> uh, is, uh, you know, based off your, your athleticism. Uh, but the other half is, is your, you know, your, your, your fight IQ, I guess. Yeah. And this is a, a good visual demonstration of that. Um, I wanted to get to a point that it's 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 a good like kind of like short showcase between Johnny Nguyen versus Tony Jaw, but um, you got to watch the previs zero. <laughs> like I I think that it, it's actually kind of even more impressive when you can see it all. Like everything that you saw in this uh, in the movie was actually done in one take. It wasn't like okay, well you know like let's just cut it here and then continue the the action in another shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's all done in one take in the previs, and it's actually very impressive because there's a lot of uh, you know like advanced choreography here, and that you wouldn't you wouldn't really be able to appreciate just by just by watching the movie. I say anyone who's interested go check out that previs. It's it's pretty it's pretty uh vital for like appreciating this more. Yeah, I, I did watch it. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. So uh, it, it's weird uh, now that you mention it. Like I. And this is kind of uh, in general for this whole movie. I was noticing that I really wasn't crazy about how they decided to edit things together. Mm. It felt like they were using uh, American style editing where it's like you have you have somebody throwing a move and then you cut to a reaction of them getting hit by the move. Uh, and I feel like it happens a lot in this moment with Johnny. And like I usually like um, like the choreography that he does because uh, uh, I feel like sometimes it goes like unbroken for longer. But we mm -hmm. get for me personally like we get too many moments of just cutting to different angles when i felt uh you know maybe a nice uh static ish yep. camera shot would have just been as as uh, more effective right you know just keep it on a long wide for as long as possible so you can actually see fighting mm -hmm. yeah I, I completely agree um hey but we at least end the fight with this really iconic shot of tony jaw doing another wall flip but this time off of the head of johnny nguyen's stunt person <laughs> Uh, and that that wall flip, that wall that that kick alone, where he he does it off of the stunt person's head, is enough force to s send that guy's head flying towards a, a glass window. Um, you know that head just like smashes directly onto the door. It's it, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great way to top off that that action sequence. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, so again, what, what do you say? Oh well, I was just gonna say. So this leads us to like. Tony Jaw trying to be dramatic, <laughs> show off his uh, his acting his acting chops, while also still performing some fight choreography. So he realizes that he has stumbled upon the back room of this restaurant, and they have all the exotic animals. Now realizing that, oh my god, they've probably killed my elephants and have eaten them, you know, for mm -hmm. this uh, kind for these exotic dishes. And he's fighting, you know, the chef. He's fighting these <laughs> random goons Doesn't while. Matter. Yeah, while all, you know, it's kind of going, like the music kind of drops out 
and he's just emoting. He's just very sad to what he's right. seeing. Um, I, I get it, but uh, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of don't really care about these <laughs> sorts of things in, in my action movies sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like when your character breaks down and and it, it just sucks because I, I don't like, not that I don't like him. Like I don't like his character because he, like he, he has no character. So when we're trying to sympathize with him because he feels his, his elephants have been killed, uh, like it does nothing for me. See, I don't, I don't mind that he has no character. I, I, I'm a big animal person, so that's my probably why like this movie resonates more with me. Um, I technically am a Buddhist too, but you know, losing a Buddhist head, it's like it's not really the same as losing an elephant. Your pet, <laughs> I don't know, something about that like resonates with me a little bit more. Um, yeah, and and at this point, like the potential that like oh something bad could have happened to this elephant you know like you feel at the pit of your stomach like, oh shit you know if you haven't watched this movie before you're probably thinking oh shit maybe maybe this is some sort of like dumbo situation where and you think that the mama dumbo the mama elephant is gone but then at the end it turns out still alive all is well nope wait was the mother still alive at the end of dumbo i thought she was i don't know i don't, know. I don't, I don't watch i haven't watched dumbo in forever. <laughs> I haven't, yeah i haven't seen dumbo in forever i thought she died we're not talking about dumbo maybe, <laughs> maybe in the tim burton version they do that. sure sure right um yeah but you know it, it's you know like this should be your first hint that this movie it, it, like well like what direction this movie is going you know in terms of like what eventually happens to the elephant um right so more story happens doesn't matter now we get to this, the temple fight. Mm-hmm. Temple fights, plural. Um, if you ever Google Tom Yum Goom or the Protector or uh, uh, Honor of the Dragon, whatever, if you Google it, this is probably going to be the first thing that you're going to see. You're going to see mm-hmm. a burning temple. Uh, like, it, it just col- the color, uh, the, the contrast is just all yellow, obviously, uh, because there's a burning Buddhist temple uh, just that is drenched in water because of the sprinklers. <laughs> That uh, unsuccessfully put out all the fires around them. Yeah, that put out that did nothing. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, did nothing. Yeah, the floor is just you know like a couple inches deep in water, but all the windows are still on fire. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. And Tony Jaw comes into fray. Not entirely sure. Like we watched the uncut version, it kind of feels like I don't know, like I don't really know why they're here. Maybe they get some sort of like guidance on like what next to do next. Ah, when the pr- <laughs> in the protector makes the the American version, it makes even less sense. Like why is he here? Because they cut out that whole sequence. Yeah, like, he just yeah. shows up at a burning temple. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Um. So once he you know approaches these these beat up monks that are just lying on the floor, he looks up and there is a silhouette. And that silhouette jumps off of the 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 shrine, and it's revealed to be Latif Crowder, our favorite our favorite hey. caperista, with prey on his chest. Um, this is probably, in terms of uh, you know, like um, fight choreography, the best moment of the film for sure. Yeah, in in terms of uh, fight choreography and and the fight scene, I, I'll definitely agree with you there. I think this is like the most visually impressive, and I think, like you mentioned, like yeah, this this kind of scene is i gotta hand it to the cinematographer and and just like the whole crew like when you yeah when you look up this movie like this is the first image that usually pops up and you know for uh for good mention like the 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 water everywhere the the burning buddha uh statue in -hmm. the background and just like that the orange yellow colors uh prevalent throughout it's very very visually iconic like yeah you you can't like unsee it once you see this Mm -hmm. oh my god i love this set like it's just you know like it's not it's a combination of everything you support it's the colors the fire in the background to add some severity to things and 
doing flips in water is not easy. <laughs> it, you're very likely to slip. You're very uh, like, and like the weight actually once it gets on your clothes, it starts you know, pull you down. Um, and you know, like, then there's also, I guess they don't really care for this because like there's also the error, the the problem with continuity. Um, but thankfully, they they've actually pretty good with this whole sequence. Is that you know, oh, they start off pretty dry, and as the sequence goes on, they get more and more wet. But, you know, it could easily fuck that up by starting off the fight sequence really wet. And then and you get, like, get dry during it. Yeah. Dry and then wet and then dry and yeah, wet. Like, I was not even detail. looking at anything like that. There is uh, the, the good thing about the water uh, on the floor is it's just, you know, like the splashing because their feet are dragging or they're kicking. It's just constantly filling the screen, which is it's, it's just looks so nice. Right. This well, like, it, so what I was going to say is this is kind of how I feel that um, like the Grandmaster uh, should have looked with the water. Yes. Like mm -hmm. uh, th that, you know, that the Grandmaster Wong Kar Wai's movie uh, is still pretty uh, visually iconic with what they did. But uh, it's just like this is just such a nicer visual than that movie, mm -hmm. uh, personally. Well, we're not. We're, it's not like Tony Jaw throws a you know, a snap kick at the water and then the camera zooms in on the the water. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We never get any extraneous shots in this fight. Unlike the other fights, thank God, because, um, yeah, I think that was my problem with the editing with the other fights. Like, they kept on cutting to things sometimes I feel were unnecessary. You even yeah. got reaction shots from, like, Tony sometimes, or you got reaction shots of right. the alcohol bottles that were on the screen. Like, yeah, yeah sure, maybe they were trying to be a little more artsy, but, like, mm -hmm. this, like th these are the kind of fights I want, you know, no distractions. It's just mm -hmm. what the two fighters are doing on screen. Yes, yeah. Well, there's a lot of great, uh, you know, I almost call it like fight banter. There's not really they're not talking, but it's more. It feels like it's almost playful in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, it almost feels like uh, it's just I don't know if they've worked together before this, you know, prior to this movie. There just feels like there's a good rapport between Tony Jaw and Latif Crowder. Uh, it just feels like they just have each other's timing just so well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It just it just works perfectly. Um, but oh, and, and this is something that we guess we we could kind of like I don't know if you if you agree with me here, but I feel like the water is so important to this fight scene because it really highlights the speed of each one of their kicks or yeah, their movements. That's an interesting way to put it. Uh, for, for me, like, I, I'm not sure if I would say, like, it highlights the speed. Uh, maybe I'd have to watch it, like, a little more. Like, for me, it just adds that extra visual flair to yeah. the kicks because, you know, obviously the, the foot is coming from the water. As the foot lifts up, you get the, uh, the visual of the water dragging behind it. So yeah. it just... For me, it just adds like a little more uh, to appreciate on screen. Right, right. And you know, I, the you know Latif Crowder, he's you know like doing a lot of you know like uh, these these flips and whatnot. And you know, like because of the way that he he's he'll be dragging his feet and like kicking from the f the floor up, you will see like it almost feels like it's adding natural speed lines to each one of these characters, yeah. almost like you know like right, a comic right. book. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I like the the nitty gritty of the the fight sequence. It could just be boiled down to these two do a lot of flips. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Latif Crowder uh, so much more because he's utilizing you know uh, yeah. his capoeira move set here. Right. Yes. Uh, like uh, like the average. Yes. Mm -hmm. By average. Yes. But you know, Tony Chaw is the one who's delivering this like cheat gainer like superhero landing. Who tries to crush Latif Crowder when he's on the ground. And it's great slow mo, and that's point i was gonna make was there's a lot of good usage of slow-mo in this fight scene you know like you gotta use your slow-mo correctly and here mm -hmm. it's like all this, right this uh, is like one of the better utilizations of slow-mo i've seen in like a in a fight because yeah. there are nice moments of just long takes of 
Latif Crowder like doing these spinning round kicks, you know, just barely missing his head. But then they'll go to another moment where he does another kick, and it's like slow motion. It's like great, you know, the pace is really nice. It's flowing up and down. Yeah, and the slow mo never feels like it, it's taking you out of the fight. It just feels like a continue. Well, it's part of the fight naturally. Mm-hmm. Well, that, you know, they're using it, it to highlight, you know, the the moves that you do want to see because they are moving really fast and. It could get a little tricky with the water where maybe things get get, get obscured. So mm-hmm. thankfully, the slow-mo helps to be like, oh, okay, that's the move he's doing. I can now clearly see what's going on. Right, right. Only nitpick. I don't know why they gave Latif Crowder a lion's roar. Ah, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that maybe that was uh, strictly in the American version, but in the uh, uncut one, it's still there. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's great because it, it does feel playful, but it ends, like, once Tony Jaw, like, like the Team Crowder is kind of clearly taunting him, but, like, it, the fight set ends and becomes in Tony's favor once he starts realizing that, you know, like, he has to take that, take out his support. You know, like, once he, once uh, Latif is about to go into a handstand, again, because that's a very common stance in that, Tony Jaw just goes straight for the arms. He sees that he's on his, he's on his hands, just knock out the arms and it'll come crashing down. I like that. It's it's uh it's not all done in slow mo, so we as an audience can actually just take that in, you know, and make it seem like like it seems like we get it. Like he 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 clearly turned he, he clearly figured something out. Yeah, that's that's what I like about this fight is because like if you notice uh, when they're first fighting, uh, Tony Ja is attacking more of his upper torso usually, or he's attacking him when he's standing, and he realize you know you got to realize that like Latif Crowder is just too nimble, he's just too quick for him, and then I. Th- for me, in my mind anyway, I think what Tony Jaw realizes is like I have to get him when he starts doing those, you know, those flips and utilizing his hands. And as you mentioned, yeah, once he sees Latif go into like this kind of one hand handstand or, or into like a flip, he just attacks the arm and then it just, you know, crush, not crushes him. It just causes him to fall over at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not only that, like at this point, he really he's learned Latif's. Um, or the character's uh, like move set, right? So he can read all the the movements before they even come out. So I like this this really short sequence where as, as soon as he 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 goes for the the arm and he comes crashing down, he comes up and he's about to like just about to wind up for a move, and you just see Tony Jaw just waiting. He doesn't he doesn't do anything like for a solid second or two. He just waits there. He's like, well, he's gonna. I know he's gonna do a cartwheel, and as soon as he does the cartwheel, halfway through, I'm gonna kick him. I'm just looks gonna like do a push he, kick and that's yeah it looks like he kicks him at the balls too <laughs> <laughs> well he's upside down uh, it, 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 you know everything's all over the place when when you're upside down mm-hmm. um yeah and you know like uh, and then at that at that point you know tony jaw is just showing it showing off his athleticism he does that his famous uh double 540 kick mm-hmm. making it look easy but even harder because it's on water and then he finishes the fight this portion of the fight with a jackknife, uh, you know, like one of my favorite, the one of the most iconic tricking moves out there, out, you know, like one level above the 540, which is once you do, do the 540, like one before you even land the 540 on the ground, you deliver another hook kick. So it's if you think about it, it's left, right, left, <laughs> all in one, all in one spin. Uh, it you know all done in a great slow mo. Unfortunately, this ends the fight because Latif Crowder gets knocked off screen and he disappears and out of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah. you know it, it's it's so weird. Like this is such a good fight, and at first, you know, as you're watching the film, at first you're like, "Wait, that's it?" But then, you know, enter John John Fu. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. You know, with a fucking uh, wobbly uh, wushu sword. You know, right across. You know, swiping right across the bow, uh, right across right. Uh, Tony Jaw's face into this like giant drum. 
Mm-hmm. And then you realize, yeah, so, like, oh, wow, there's more fighting. <laughs> there's, there's another fight going to happen. But I'm okay with it. I'm okay with more fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there were supposed to be more fights. So we're going to talk about it. We, we have the three that are actually in the movie. But there were supposedly two. Well, there's one more fight, but two more fighters that were, uh, you know, supposed to be in the movie. And we watched the, you know, some of the behind the scenes with this movie. But this deleted scene between Tony Jaw and these uh, supposed Taekwondo masters is, like, like, a, like to really emphasize the word deleted i think it really is deleted i i can't find a version of that fight anywhere on online i i, and, I don't think it exists unless uh, i mean i i haven't had the dvd with the behind the scenes forever mm-hmm. like that's long gone on my uh, part but mm-hmm. i don't recall ever seeing this fight it, it wasn't until i listened to the commentary where we realized that uh, before tony fights latif crowder you see two bodies just kind of lying in the background and that was uh, the uh, end of Tony fighting these two Taekwondo guys that yep. we will probably never see uh, unless there's like some sort of, uh, you know, like ultimate Blu-ray 4K cut of this that they're just, <laughs> you know, that they're just saving it for. But apparently it doesn't exist. Uh, if it yeah. does, you know, let us know. Right. Well, yeah, like I would love to see that one day, but, you know, it's it's okay. But, you know, it, it just makes me curious, like, what are we missing out on? You know, because mm-hmm. like it seems like this whole fight sequence between these three fighters versus Tony Jaw feels like just a showcase of martial arts versus martial arts. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's good because you know, first one we start off with Cap- it was a Capoeira fight. Now we're leading into a weapons fight um, and we can actually see what Tony Jaw is capable of in terms of like fight fighting with weapons uh a little unconventional because he's fighting a uh fighting against john fu who's wielding a chinese broadsword <clears throat> uh, just like uh you know like tony has no way of really defending himself until he uh you know gets a hold of the gong and uh funny thing about this sequence uh, in the previs tony's doing all the fight core all the fighting that john fu does oh is he really i don't remember mm-hmm. that in the previous, he is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, I clear, I mean, that that's that should be no surprise, right? Like, yeah. action. If he's a part of the action choreography, and he he needs to know how how it works, right? Yeah. But uh, I guess that's like the good previous, so that they just gave that direction and gave it to John Fu. I'm like, okay, do this, and you'll see a lot of the stunt work that like that John Fu was doing. And he was actually rehearsed by Jaw. So there's that 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 like rising, like the rise like sword swipe that he does to break this um this I don't know box that Tony is, is holding. But that leads us to the gong, which is once Tony Jaw does some sort of like lache over the gong and gets on the other side, uh, the, the gong is kind of rolling around. Once it, it falls down, like a la Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, it's revealed that Tony has two gong drumsticks. He has two drumsticks. Drumsticks. But, you know, enlarged drumsticks to, you know, hit a gong. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And um, yeah, I mean, this this is a... Everything we said before about the the water <laughs> being utilized cinema, um, cinematically works even better with the weapons because like you're, well, Tony Jaws just you know just showing off like the the power of slow mo right so you're just grabbing the two drumsticks and just sliding them across the floor it doesn't add anything to the fight. <laughs> Well, but you know he did that move in uh, Ongbok as well. I-, I feel like that's like maybe another kind of intimidation move uh, on his end, where he's like staking his territory, like you know this is the line I'm gonna cross, or you know you can't mm-hmm. cross this this far. Right, right. Well, uh, the the overall the overall uh, setup of this is almost like it feels like Tony has complete leverage because he has two weapons versus yeah, yeah. One. It's 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 no longer a fair fight as to where uh, <laughs> he was kind of dot. You know he he was doing his best to dodge uh, John Fu. Uh, sword mm-hmm. swipes 
yeah, he now has two heavy, you know, much heavier weapons because his his broadsword is it's like I don't know what the name of it, but it's like it's kind of flexible and floppy. So uh-huh. you know, against these hard um, <laughs> against these hard uh, drumsticks, you know, it's you know he has no chance. Right, right, and, and you know, for what little that we see of John Fu in the movie, uh, it's clearly not as visually impressive as the the previous fight. Uh, you know, like we get, we get a showcase of you know what John Fu can do. You know, I think uh, athletically, uh, far more than we see in Tekken <laughs> or in uh, Rush Hour, the TV show. Um, you know, but uh, you know, I think it's uh, you know we can see what he's capable of in terms of his fight choreography. But it does end really short after Tony Jaw does a cork. He does a corkscrew midair and then delivers a the drumsticks to the the chest, mm-hmm. and that's how that ends. Before we are introduced to the Muay Thai giant himself, Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones, the former WWE wrestler. Uh, I think he was also in Pride, which is a, an MMA uh, tournament in, 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 in Japan, or was in Japan. Uh, yeah, Nathan Jones is in the movie. And all his, his whole premise, premise could be summed up in screaming <laughs> and grabbing and throwing. That is all he does in this in this movie, well, but I mean, that is all he needed. That's why they got him. The guy is yeah. literally a giant walking tank. He's huge. He's built like a brick shit house. It's like yep. it's it's one of those things where um, you have and and I love I love uh, his this this small little scuffle. It's because okay, we need to show how strong uh, Nathan Jones is. So it's just Tony Jaw, you know, punching and kicking his sides, kicking his chest, trying to elbow him, just do anything and it's nathan jones just standing there unfazed by everything (laughs) yeah and it's i I love that yeah it's great it's kind of sad in a way because you know we we just saw tony jaw uh defeat these you know two other martial arts masters and here he is getting defeated because he's you know he's shorter and he's not as strong as this fucking giant right right well that that's what sets us up right so like similar to how we had those those opening scenes with Johnny Nguyen, um, and then a later scene where Tony Jaw actually defeats Johnny. This is the setup scene. Mm-hmm. So like we build the tension. Like oh, Tony's kind of met his match. So what needs to happen is he needs to regroup, he needs to recoup his losses, and then figure out a strategy to beat him. Because uh, in uh, to cap off this this series of fights, Tony's like well, he's like one the pretty beat up you know, obviously right because he's pretty tired from the previous fights. But also, you know, like he doesn't, he's a bit approaching those fights with uh, like brute strength uh, and, and using his, his uh, physicality. Here, uh, we're establishing that physicality is not going to work. <laughs> There's nothing you can do with them, you know, like, like a one-on-one combat that's actually going to do any damage. Because this guy, if, he, if he's not roided up, I mean, I don't know what he is. You know, like he clearly doesn't feel any pain. And, uh, and it, it's great because, uh, you know, like, I, I guess we can kind of like segue to the final, final fight if, you, if you'd like, because I don't. Yeah, there's there's nothing of note in between. Uh, well, there the final fight is kind of separated. Uh, well, there's two more fights. There is the kinda, yeah. one on many and then there's like the final showdown. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I want well, we'll get back to the Nathan, like him versus Nathan Jones part two. And that's mm-hmm. why, how I want to transition to that. But right. the beginning of this starts off with something dour, something sad that happens in the movie. You find out that sad thing sad thing happens in the movie right you didn't care for it i well, i don't want to spoil it you didn't care for it i uh i don't know i, I kind of found like kind of found it shocking the first time i watched it i was like oh that's, that's kind of lame like I, I don't like it when that happens in my movies where it feels like 
the whole journey was a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, without spoiling it, it's it's hard to talk about it. But it it was and it wasn't. Yeah. If you yeah. think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless you watch the Protector Two, in which case, it, it's like, I, why does that? Why does this shit keep happening to this guy? <laughs> um. Well, anyways. Uh. So yeah, like, uh, Tony discovers something, some distressing news. So in the beginning of this, he's just taking a lot of abuse because he just can't handle uh, this information until some dude stabs him. <laughs> and that's all it takes to for him to snap back to reality. It's weird that getting stabbed in the side is what powers him up. Usually, you know, in, in our martial arts films, it's like, oh, uh, I witnessed, you know, my loved ones getting beat. So I have to power up in order mm-hmm. to, you know, to prevail over what's going on yep. and uh, overpower, you know, my adversaries. No, mm-hmm. he gets stabbed. <laughs> and, and that's what gives him the strength to take on, like, mm-hmm. was it 70 guys? I don't oh know how God. many. I have, I have a, no clue. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of dudes. <laughs> so this is one of the one rare examples where I say, watch the American cut of this fight of uh, this fight scene. Normally, I, I prefer longer fight scenes. Um, you know, if there's multiple versions of the movie, I'll prefer the longer one. Here, unequivocally, I say definitely watch the American one because... When they released it, they 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 wanted to cut that down as much as possible because they just felt even the the you know the distributors in the West they realized how incredibly long and overwinded the original version is. <laughs> and, Wait, do you mean do you, you mean this fight or the movie? Oh, uh, this fight, this fight. Oh, oh this fight. I mean okay, with the okay, movie okay. too, but like with this fight, like yeah, you, yeah. usually like uh, like uh, when you have uh, distributors, they want to highlight the best. They get rid of the the fluff so they can highlight the best. But even I can admit, like, this fight sequence, it's it, it's fine, but it's just too long. Yeah, yeah. My, I mean, my problem with this fight, as I've hearkened many, many times, is it's a one versus many, mm-hmm. and this is just people running in, waiting their turn. Yeah. Sure, they're, they're not standing around, you know, they're not encircling him, but they are just coming in off camera, just waiting, you know, for the next guy to drop so they, they can come in and Tony Jaa can literally break all their the bones in their body and then he moves on to the next person right right and it it sucks because it's weird like the choreography here is really really great Mm -hmm. but the problem is like when you when it's just him dispatching one guy at a time sometimes two guys sometimes three like it it gets boring it's actually it's actually kind of boring to watch even though the choreography is impressive Mm -hmm. well it, it also feels like there's no sense of when it'll end (laughs) <laughs> that's a problem yeah like this could loop forever you mm-hmm. could just kind of cut back to the the first guy charging in and oh my god you might yeah. not even realize that it could just you know <laughs> it could just keep on going on and on and on oh my god that's a very astute way of putting it because you know usually when you think of a fight scene oh my god uh, <laughs> every time you think of a fight scene uh really really think about it like there's always a moment there's like a, something that happens on screen before the fight ends that'll give you a cue that's almost over <laughs> here it doesn't feel like there ever is and it's long it's like really long uh there's a moment where you know like you think it's almost over like tony does like this this pose he poses at the screen he's like yeah that i beat it, everyone and then you just see like more henchmen come in. Like, <laughs> oh my god when is this gonna be over so uh so one thing i realized about this fight mm-hmm. is that um so the the moves that he's coming up with, uh, these are usually the uh, kind of the pain moments you see in uh, like a fight scene. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have kind of normal punches and kicks. You'll have normal bouts of uh, combinations and choreography. And then, especially with these Thai films, 
there's uh, a set of moves he'll do that you'll see that looks very painful, and it usually gets kind of highlighted in like a wide shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed they do that like in Ungbok a little bit, right, uh, right. like like when he's gonna break somebody's arm. Like if you think about it, like in American fight, usually you end on like, oh, it's done because I broke his hand, I broke his arm, I broke his leg. Mm-hmm. That's like the exclamation point. That's the pain moment that kind of signifies like uh, these big things are happening in the fight. The problem with this whole big sequence is it is nothing but those moments. Oh, yeah. Every mm-hmm. sort of combination he's doing is he's breaking someone's leg, he's breaking someone's arm, and he's doing something extremely painful to them. Mm-hmm. When you have nothing but these moments lined up one after the another, you just get kind of numb to it. And yeah. like I said before, I got kind of bored watching it. Yeah, that's that's actually really unfortunate that we both feel that way. And I, uh, yeah, because you, the, everything you said before is true. The fight choreography is really good. And it's a good demonstration of this made-up Muay Thai that Tony Jaw invented, which is supposed to be emula- emulating the style and fighting of elephants. I mean, if you could do mantis or crane style or turkey style, whatever, uh, <laughs> yeah, doggy style, um, you know, you can you know, clearly make one for elephants too. So I thought that was really interesting because uh, t- Tony's trying to like, incorporate like the typical movements of um uh, uh, like uh, of muay thai obviously that's his ground that's his base um but then a lot of the movements that he he does like that are quote-unquote elephant related uh i thought they're i didn't really get much of a sense of, of it initially until he started doing poses the poses like i could see like okay he's, he's emulating the the stance of a like uh like you can kind of see like trunks like pointing out like the, the way that he's yeah. pointing out flaring out his elbows and whatnot uh and uh, like when I really started to think about it, like now I start to understand like why he does his Muay Thai, which is it has, you know, stand up striking, uh, but it also has clinching. But clinching is also standing, you know, standing up. I didn't really get it. Like, how could you incorporate that in, the, you know, the elephant inspired fighting in there? But then I realized like that's where it's no longer Muay Thai. Now, now it's actually just, you know, like uh, I don't even know what you call these. These are like like acrobatic judo moves, <laughs> you know, because like, you know, he. I, I, there's this one move that he does several times in this fight sequence where he, you know, when the guy's about to throw a spinning hook kick at him, he throws a counter spinning hook kick and grabs him you know, with that his 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 leg and just uh, catches his, his opponent's leg in midair and then uh, sends him to the ground and he he breaks his leg. I think that's a you know obviously not realistic at all, but you know it, it's it's you know it's a great it's a great uh you know fight moment. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get what you're saying. Like. I, I, until I started looking at this, I didn't realize that um, he, he is using his el- kind of elephant style in, throughout this whole, uh, this whole fight. It's not always clear. It, 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 I, I mentioned it when we were watching this. I was like, if you said that he invented a snake style, I probably would have uh, agreed as well because it's a lot of him wrapping his arms around or wrapping the legs around. I, I get what they're trying to do. He's trying to emulate the trunk of the elephant. Right. So, you know, it's fine. It's, it's cool. Uh, uh, j- just like I said, like I just don't like this fight because it's just it's it just kind of got boring. Yeah. Uh, just seeing not the same thing. It's you know like I I don't like the pacing of this fight because it's just all these painful moves in succession. Uh, you don't really have anything in between. To, right. Right. To, to to space it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I applaud for its creativity. So you know, like that, I, I still want to give it that. It's it's not as entertaining as the other fights. So yeah, I'd, I'd still say you know like not so much. Not not so impressive in the end because of that. Um, hey, if they actually went with snake style, like maybe they could re- rework the story so it could be about him saving his pet snake. <laughs> yeah, so like with these moves, like I I like the move sets. I 
maybe for me, maybe they should have just incorporated it into the other fights. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like instead of just instead of just truncating it all into this one fight scene where he fights 40 guys, maybe just scatter these moves into other places. So it's like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing like like the movie feels like it's about that uh, my Thai style he invented it, mm. instead of it just being in this one portion of the film because I don't feel it, it it's really utilized anywhere else but here. Right. Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, like this, his this <clears throat> his way of fighting in this fight scene is directly trying to like showcase that mo moment of it. The next one that happens is a far more literal, <laughs> a far more literal uh, interpretation of elephant style. Uh, and we'll get to that because, uh, okay, now we're like once Tony Jaw has cleared out the last, he broke the last ankle that's possible to break in the room. <laughs> and you see, you know, like, and you're, you're like, is it fucking over? And you, you realize that, like, now we see a wide of Tony Jaw yeah, standing with like 80 people on the floor. <laughs> and then you realize there's more fighting and there's like more people coming in from the side. No, no, no. Uh, but it could very well have happened. But, anyways, he takes care of all these. Henchman, he runs into the next room, and then he charges at at um at at uh, Nathan, Nathan Jones. I was about to call him the Mountain. He's not the Mountain, uh, he's, but he's charging at Nathan Jones, and he just does, and you're thinking to yourself like they're both charging at one another, and he has like four feet on him. Who's gonna win? <laughs> but it turns out Tony Jaw does a jumping flying double knee towards Nathan Jones' face, and you see the point of impact. You see, oh god, yeah. <laughs> No wires. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I can't stress that enough. There's no wires in this movie. So when you see the point of impact, it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you can like, um, soften the blow of that. I mean, yeah. it helps that Nathan Jones is a wrestler. So he has training mm -hmm. in selling the look of like some of the, the, the pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just it's crazy because I usually don't like these types of fights where it's like the little guy versus, you know, the big tank. It, it mm -hmm. tends to be slower. But surprisingly, the pacing of this fight is, is pretty fast. And... I like that Tony Jaw kind of learned a lesson from his first encounter mm -hmm. with uh, Nathan Jones. He real, you know, he he all his all his hits to the body were ineffective. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until he kind of elbowed him on the top of the forehead and he started bleeding where he realized, like, okay, that's right. probably the only place I could really, you know, uh, put some pain on this guy. Yep. So the rest of the moves is him just kind of trying to climb up his body or. <sighs> And like elbow the top of his head or deliver like, you know, kind of cartwheel kicks to his head. Like anything he could do because, you know, the guy is just too strong and, and too powerful for him. Well, he definitely has to take advantage of Nathan Jones' lack of speed because Tony yes. Jaw has that in spades, right? So he's, mm -hmm. he's taking advantage of that. But he's also attacking not the body. He's attacking the legs. Mm -hmm. um, he uses, you know, like he's using Nathan Jones' legs as leverage against him because, like, you know, like even, you even pointed this out later where like Nathan, like Tony Jaw's hurled towards the floor he, he, he literally nathan jones no, no no nathan jones hurls tony jaw to, uh, towards the floor and he's like 20 feet away that's how far he, he got hurled and nathan jones like starts running at him and tony jaw's just like well i guess i'm just gonna roll in front of him and then have him trip over me ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that moment I, I i loved it because i always wanted to try that against if i was ever going to get into a fight with someone what if i pencil roll on the floor like, would they would they trip over me? Like, it doesn't seem realistic. Uh, maybe he does it too early in this movie for it to be believable. But right. Nathan Jones trips over a rolling Tony Jaw, so well, yeah, that's well, in the film. Well, that that's the point I was trying to make. Like, yeah, you know, like Tony Jaw's going low. Like he's trying to make sure that you know uh, he can't. Nathan Jones can't react as, as quickly as he can, or like uh, where his legs are. This is why you don't skip leg leg day. 
because mm. <laughs> uh, you know, like that, he attacks him low. They trips him. Um, you know, earlier in the fight, where uh, when Nathan Jones like delivering these kicks and whatnot, or these punches, Tony Jaws, you know, like doing the splits underneath him to slide away. And, you know, like it just, and then like as soon as Nathan Jones is not looking, you know, he delivers some like some attack uh, towards his head. Um, you know, like just just take advantage. Like this is how you kind of make the the tall versus short fight work. You know, you want to. You know, uh, you, you tack them low. If you, if you learn anything from Game of Death, you know, that's the lesson there. Uh, you know, like that, that's how he def- uh, Bruce Lee defeats Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, like he takes advantage of uh, his height in a certain way. And here, I think that's that's a... It's shown without being obvious. You know, like I feel like in um, uh, in Game of Death and whatnot, like they spell it out for the audience. Here, it's like, you know, just show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that about this. Um, and also, uh, what I said before about Tony Jaa incorporating elephant style um so now tony's like using the elephant style against nathan jones and i feel like it like in a certain way and i feel like it's more effective well mostly because like when you think elephant you think like strong and sturdy and uh you know like it goes for like a lot of these like no like they'll they'll break your back essentially right so like this guy's strategy now is to um you know like stand strong uh while you know staying nimble as possible but also you know like going for you know like these more brutal hits before it feels like he was just going for these um in the previous fight he was going for these uh like the, well, these body these, shots yeah yeah like body shots like not 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 very effective shots here it feels like he, he knows where the weak point is and he's just going to hammer down on that as as hard as possible literally his head yeah <laughs> yeah yeah these these 12 to 6 elbows um well i mean we we could have had like a, a pretty interesting, you know, fight that, that you know what this could devolve to because now um, we have a ballerina slash uh, whip master in in the fight uh, on top of Nathan Jones, and thirdly, we could have I think it could have worked well if we had um, like some sort of Tai Chi guy or something like that because we had this on one other older gentleman in the scene, but instead of that, we have three more Nathan Jones. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of disappointing. It's like I, I liked him being the the big bad tank. Yep. The fact that these three other wrestlers now come into the fight, it's I don't know. It's it's like when you um like think about a video game when uh you fight a boss and you beat it, and then when you get later into the game, that boss is now just one of the normal enemies. It kind of <laughs> felt like it kind of felt like that for me actually. Like oh, I don't want to see you again. When I, I have just, to fight I, three of them. Yeah, it, well, exactly. Like they're they're trying to make make it difficult without building new assets. It's like, come on. <laughs> Nathan Jones is just a palette swap. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same four guys over and over. Um, well, I, I uh, again, going back to the whole elephant thing. Um, this is why I meant by literal. At first, like he was going for an element, mar- uh, elephant style martial art. Now he's y- just using the elephant. <laughs> Literally using, Literally. using bones. Yes, I guess we'll have to say yeah. That, that's what yeah. We, we can't really we can't really escape that if we're gonna right right. But he he uses these bones the, these this, this this weapon. Not only does it act as some sort of um, uh, uh, weapon that he can use that he can like clop. He can finally deliver more effective hits on his opponents because they're much so much bigger than them. Have so, so much more mass. His way of actually doing some sort of damage is actually carry these bones that are tied to his hands. And, you know, he's delivering these strikes, but it also acts as a defensive shield um, in which that, like, if the if his opponents are trying to attack him, you know, like, he can always use them to to defend himself. And, uh, you know, it, it's as cheesy as this is, it's actually kind of cool at the same time. I don't know. Like, so, do you agree with it here? Yeah. So when we were watching this, I said to you, like, lo- logically, this makes sense. Like, this makes perfect sense. The only way for him to really defeat all these huge wrestler guys is he needs more power behind his hits. 
and he has attached these large bones to his arms, which will help deliver the power. You know, mm -hmm. yes, that makes sense. For me, the problem is these bones don't look real. They look <laughs> kind of rubbery. They look fake. So it it kind of brings the realism down. It it makes it seem a little B movieish. Uh, I hate right. to be that harsh on it. So mm -hmm. it 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 just took me out of it, unfortunately. Like I I I like this idea a lot. Yes, he mm -hmm. needed large weapons to defeat these guys, but the fact that these bones are just you know they're painted in a way they they don't look so real i don't know like yeah i'm being really nitpicky i don't like to be that nitpicky yeah, that's, with that's with the prop department but yeah it didn't do it for me right well you'd have to i mean like you would have to make these bones look as weighty as possible without actually being weighty because tony has to actually move pretty quickly yes. with these things right mm -hmm. uh, but we're talking about these elephant bones as if they they could be ever used as normal weapons in anything. Mm -hmm. It's an elephant bone. You know how heavy an elephant is, <laughs> let alone its bones. Right. You know, like so. Yeah, I get it. Like they do what? I guess they're they're trying to. Just, you throw logic out the window when it comes to all that stuff. Um. You know, like but it, again, uh, you do have to show that these bones are strong enough to withstand um, some sort of um, some sort of force by, by these uh, by these giant wrestlers and it kind of you know it, it actually works out in his favor uh, Tony Jaws favor when he decides to shield himself by being attacked by uh, being like uh, a, a giant well, Nathan lion's Jones picks head up, yeah he picks up he rips off a stone head from a stone line like yep. that's how strong he is he could you know literally uh earth bend and you know take <laughs> the take the rock head off of the statue he, he just like ripped solid concrete off of uh, it doesn't make any whatever he did it he hurls it at tony jaw and he uses that the, those bones as a shield so it, it wouldn't hurt him although in reality that would just crush tony jaw's entire chest cavity into the ground probably yeah <laughs> that thing's probably like 300 400 pounds and this yeah it, it wouldn't it explode when it hit the bone it would just it would just crush him <laughs> right if, if there's ever a problem with the props department i think the problem's in the lion's head because that looks weightless but whatever <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't matter so he once that happens now his his uh his bones his bones <laughs> his his weapons have become serrated because of the damage that uh, of what happened so he uses that to his advantage now. And this no longer feels like elephant style. Now it just feels like some kiss of the dragon nonsense. <laughs> well, there's a, there's elements of... Um, Romeo must die. Romeo must die, yeah. So yeah. basically what happens is uh, because he has these serrated uh, bone-edged weapons now, he is slicing the tendons and limbs of uh, all the bad guys and, you know, in ma making them pretty much like uh, incapacitated because yep. they can no longer move. And we get the uh, we get the X-ray shots of the ligaments, you know, cutting the tendons, mm -hmm. cutting whatnot. I feel like it works here. It's fine. It's yep. it's not as cheesy as Romeo Must Die when you have like these, you know, the spinal cord compressing oh, yeah. be because they, <laughs> because somebody's stepping on your head. Right. Um, well, I, I don't know. This is not how I wanted to end. Okay. Yes, it, it's fine that we we get to show that off. I thought, I thought that was kind of cool, but I don't really like that. This is actually the last cool moment of the movie. I don't know. I think you should, you should end your, your movie with a bang. Yes. Uh, and your fight scene with a bang. He disposes of Nathan Jones very easily. He disposes of the main bad guy pretty easily. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes, you know, it makes sense. He 
how else is he going to really defeat them? I, I, I don't know. You know, like, well, well, I, I, I don't know. I, Nathan Jones, uh, yeah, he, uh, Tony Jaw does some like backflip on, like his knees land directly onto Nathan Jones's back. Fine. You know, that, but that's I like, you could end it there. Cause I was like, oh, that's acrobatic enough. There, there's this moment where Nathan Jones is like, he's on the floor and he's grabbing at Tony Jaw's leg. And then uh, Tony Jaws like grabs his legs, uh, like he just he breaks Nathan's breaks his hands. hands, yeah, 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 as his wrist. I'm like, that's not. I don't want to end it that way. <laughs> <laughs> like you shouldn't have added this extra scene, uh, mm-hmm. extra sequence. Like that that flip was perfect. Um, one last action moment. Tony Jaw does another side swipe, kicks a dude's face in a hel- in a CG. Well, no, it's a real helicopter in a CG background, and. <laughs> Uh, and then he jumps off of a building and uh, delivers another double, a flying double knee. Mm-hmm. And I actually am in the minority and saying that I don't like the stunt, not because of the stunt, but because of the shot. I hate the shot so much. Oh, a lot of, I think universally a lot of people hate it because it's just, you know, they had the green screen and how else are you going to do that? They can't really be on a helipad of, you know on the building and then have somebody get no double need in right. to where off the building. Yeah. It's, it's not right. going to happen. Well, my problem with it is not that they did it. It's the fact that I can't buy that. They did it. That's a problem. Like everyone has said that this stunt was actually done. Like they, like Tony Jaw actually did do that stunt against a, a stunt person and they did fall. But because the version that we're seeing here, I can't make out what's real or not. I can't. I, there's no details to latch onto. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I, I feel like I just want to see this in a more quaint environment. Like, yes, I know that they want to do green screen so they can in, superimpose or key light in the Sydney back, the Sydney skyline in the background to make it look like Sydney, even though they're filming in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a missed opportunity here. I, like, I watching it here in, in the final product... I, I I don't know like it just it just feels fake. Well, you know what it Even is like. It's not. You know what it is. They keep on advertising no CGI, no wires, but in actuality, they they did have to use CG technically because they they you know there's moments of green screen. So yeah. I, I guess for me personally, that's what kind of makes me feel odd about it because yes, the stunt is real. He's jumping that far to do the double knee, but when yeah. it's put on the fake backdrop. You know, you kind of reel back, like, wait a second. You know, this it doesn't feel right. Yeah, time. you know what this this is the equivalent of. This is the equivalent of when uh, the thing 2011 was like, oh, we're going to use pros- like real pro- like real animatronics, and then in the final product they just CG'd over it. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the point? What what is the <laughs> point? <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? I wish they did. Uh, I wish that maybe the helicopter was taking off from like a like maybe like the port. Uh, so that they could have been over water, like over the ocean, so that maybe they could have really did the stunt. Maybe they could yeah. have had uh, the person just over water, and he could have really jumped off like the dock, hit mm-hmm. him into the water, and they still, you know, they still would have been safe instead of right, right. needing to get the, you know, the Sydney skyline backdrop or whatever. Right, right. Well, it's fine. In, in the end, I think it's it's fine. You know, I, I like the stunt. I just don't like the shot. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, and you know. I don't think there's anything else after this that's worthy of talking about. Um, in the American cut, you see that Tony Jaw is in the hands of the trunk. Whatever, he's just, he's fine. He's fine. Everybody's <laughs> they, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in, in, okay, in the American cut, like, the ending actually kind of doesn't make any sense, just because like the, there's a character who's released, and you're like, oh, she's safe, but then they cut out all the scenes of with her previously in the movie. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. But then, like, I thought it didn't make any sense. But watching the Thai version, I realized that that character only has one scene where she's not 
in distress, so you can you can't make her out anyways. <laughs> uh, it's like eh. story wise, the movie's kind of a mess um, in terms of continuity. There's, there's definitely a lot of loopholes, but I think that's completely okay. Uh, and the ending is very abrupt, even in the uncut version. I I was like, what? That's it? That's how it ends? I don't, I don't remember it ending this way. Just Tony Jaw just walks away, and it didn't feel like Ongbok, where it feels like oh, it, it, that one felt more conclusive. It felt like he actually just came back to the village. You know, like you can you clearly see that. It almost feels like a happy ending. Here it feels like he lost, he failed. Right, right. I mean, I I like the the final visual of him kind of being in you know in the quote unquote arms of the elephant, the the tusks. Like I thought that's a really nice uh, imagery. But then, yeah, the movie keeps going and he's, you know, they're fading in and out of him walking away and, and yep. all this other random stuff. Yeah, unnecessary. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Don't want to end on a negative note because actually I do like this movie a lot. Um, but it has been a while. I've only seen the movie once prior to this because I've, you know, obviously branched out and try to watch other Thai movies. So, you know, try not to uh, beat a dead horse with this one, especially since like, I feel like Ongbok was far more accessible, so I always, like, whenever someone was playing it, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll sit down and watch this again. Um, I felt like over the passage of time, people don't watch The Protector as much. Although, the reason, and this will lead into my um, my final conclusion, the reason why I like this movie more than Ongbok is because it's far more memorable to me. Even though it's the one that are, is less known. Like, no one ever talks about, oh, you guys remember Tommy Ongoon? Everyone talks about it. Like, everyone references Ongbok because of, like, what that movie did. And, yes, Ongbok's amazing. It's an amazing movie. But The Protector has so much iconic imagery that is burned into my head. Um, all the best stunt work, all the best... Uh, I mean, like, all the best stunt work and all the best, uh, you know, fight choreography like can't you know does exist in Ongbok too but this movie like it films a lot of that so much better in my opinion um that one temple fight alone is so visually like memorable that like i like i'm for that alone i almost want to just say like that's that's enough reason for me to say i like this more than Ongbok um i don't know zero do you uh, like uh, that's my my question to you do you think that do you still think that Ongbok's better so uh i haven't watched this film in a long time either and Mm -hmm. it i held it in very very high regard uh upon rewatching it with you when we watch the uncut version i was oh god i was so disappointed because of all the extra padding that we saw it it yeah. almost ruined the movie for me I, I just kept on feeling like oh this is unnecessary like because i've always watched the american cut which is yeah. just so so fast-paced like i didn't i didn't care that none of the characters were developed or things didn't make any sense because the action was so good yeah. After we're watching the uncut version, which which I will personally not recommend. I think if I think mm-hmm. if you've seen the American cut, you don't need to see the uncut uh, original Thai version. It's, right. it's not really showing you anything new, personally. Sure. Um, maybe oh, sorry. Like I was gonna say, like maybe as a Westerner, maybe that's they did the right thing in making a version that was specifically targeted <laughs> towards us. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, so uh, going back to that. Oh man. I think I might still like Ongbok better. Um, I think because of how the fights are peppered in in that movie, uh, it, it feels like with the um, with the temple, the burning temple fight. Like you have three fights back to back to back. Uh, I know they do that in Ongbok, but I, I don't know something something about the choreography in Ongbok. It feels like it's spaced out a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. I, I 
think I might like Ong Bak more because I like um, the fight choreography sure. in that as opposed to this one. Uh, from a technical level uh, and a stunt level, and a stunt level, uh, I think this is superior. Obviously, because we get the one take. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, well that one fight scene alone, it, I guess, like, is easily a, a contender. Like, a, that's a, if you just have that alone, that's enough reason to you know like pick that. But uh, you know, as an overall movie experience, I I don't know. I, I still like this one more than Ong Bak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still love Ong Bak. Like Ong Bak's great. But you know, um, this movie feels like uh, I guess like the whole elephant thing like, resonated with me a little bit more. Yeah, you not so much. I know that you you're like yeah, I don't care about that thing. Okay, so that that's one thing I did want to mention. Um, I never cared about the elephant when I first watched this movie. You know, like that's one of those things I feel is kind of a, a cheat. Like hey, let's put an animal automatically people will uh sympathize or empathize whatever like that doesn't do anything for me i was hoping in the original tie cut which i haven't seen until now i thought maybe they would have a little more character development with him and the elephant so that at least i would you know like the elephant and so i would want him to save the elephant you know that's standard um it it didn't really add anything new for me unfortunately so i still didn't care and then i just (laughs) i just felt bored because there's so much unnecessary fluff in between the fights <laughs> right oh well uh, i don't know I, I feel like we're not gonna come to the same conclusion here yeah, i still love this movie yeah. no i'm not i'm not saying i don't like the movie i you know i there's just a lot of things that yeah. came to the surface yeah. after we rewatch after we watch the uncut version which i never even realized before right this is not this is no kiss of the dragon though it's not like we're, we're, we both remember it being awesome and then we watch them like hey, it's not as awesome as i remember it to be <laughs> Um, yeah, but like I, I still love this movie. I think it's uh, there was no reason to make a Protector Two. Uh, <laughs> I, so in preparation for this movie, I was I was like, ah, oh, you know, uh, for this review, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll just watch the Protector Two before uh, before we do this. Did you? And uh, I I did. Oh boy, I, I, just, I just watched it. Uh, should um, should you save what you're gonna say for our review no. of Protector Two? <laughs> no, here's our review of Protector Two. Um, why did you make this movie? It's, it's it's you know it's funny i i want to talk about that because um some of the stunt work that you see in the movie very 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 small amount is borrowed from that previs you know, those action scenes that like i told you that didn't actually make it into the mm. first movie oh, okay. they took a little bit of that but not a lot like some of it's still uh you know like it was made just for the movie um but I guess they couldn't do all. Of, I just I, that's actually like the thing I was hoping for. But after watching the preview, it was like, oh, I, if they do, if they, I hope that Protector Two is just gonna be like using all the stunts that he couldn't do um, uh, in the first movie. Unfortunately, I I think it's because either you know like they want to do do their own thing or Tony Jaw was you know it was like eight years older by that point. Like maybe he couldn't do those things anymore. You know, well, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Protector Two. Um, I. Uh, well you don't have we don't have to extend this you know too much longer (laughs) it it sounds like that's probably a no we won't we will not be talking about protector 2 unless we run out of things uh and we're resorting to things we really don't want to talk about like uh forbidden kingdom protector 2 that's on our list now of of, of movies we don't want to talk about (laughs) oh my god protector 2 is the new forbidden kingdom (laughs) yeah